Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus, Charette. Say what? We're here, Doc G. We're doing it. What's up, sir? Woo! Woo, man. I'm, I'm Nothing much, man. Nothing much, you know? Yeah. Another week. Another week. How are you doing? I'm like, I'm pretty good. My nose is stuffed up though, Doc G. I've been mm. running with my nose, with uh, with my mouth closed, only nose breathing. I don't know, just oh, a fun fact. Oh, there. We're working on yeah. some working on some breathing habits, huh? Working on, yeah, working on some breathing, some new okay. breathing techniques. All right, <laughs> it's just so L- random. Listeners, for you that don't know, Mike's been getting into his breathing control. So true. He's yeah. been getting into owning his own breath, which is important yes. for you listeners out there. That you, if mm-hmm. you don't know, look into it, guys. This isn't a physiology lesson, but I'm telling you, look into it. Yeah. I, we, we don't have time to go into a deep dive, Mike, <laughs> because there's a lot of things happening in the world. I don't oh, know yeah. if you know, man. Oh, yeah. There's a lot I, going on. Did you see Elon Musk? Elon Musk bought Twitter. And I bought, love it. He bought Twitter. You love that? I love it. I don't yeah, know, Yeah, I think man. it's great. It's another portion of his evil empire has been realized. <laughs> Like, yes. I, honestly, I I am on the exact opposite, Mike. I I why I feel like because it, I don't understand why people aren't more concerned about a dude who wants to control all communications, transportation, and has three hundred billion dollars. This mm-hmm. concerns me a lot. Oh yeah, this, yeah, it's scary. This is like somebody like going to somebody's house and they have a tiger as a pet, and they're like, oh. Harold? Yeah, don't worry about Harold. What? He's harmless. And you're like, I don't know. He's got a hungry look in his eye. I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't, has he eaten dinner? Nope. I don't know. It's like, I I feel like this is bad. This is very bad, you know? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, and obviously, when he becomes evil empire, uh, emperor of Earth, I will be executed <laughs> for my blasphemous speech. That's a fact. Everybody knows that. He's going to go back and listen to the old shows and be like, hmm, he's not sticking around. He is <laughs> He is going to be executed, you know? I just so want to say it out there. Save me, listeners. Make sure that doesn't happen. Nope. Uh, no, I won't. No way. Other news, Mike. Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh, he's been in court. <clears throat> yeah, you know? yes. Been like two weeks. Have you have mm-hmm. you kept up with that, Mike? Not at all. Nothing. I ain't got. Yeah, I don't good. Have anything. Good for you. <laughs> this is one time where I say good for you on not yeah. keeping up with the news, Mike. Uh, nah. Because it seems the rest of the world is fixated, or well, I should say, world. The rest of the United States is fixated. The United States. Yeah. They are in <laughs> hard on this thing, man. They are in hard. I did some research because, like, I didn't really know much about it. It just kept right. on popping up on everything. Like, mm-hmm. I'd pop up on headlines, and I'd be like, "What the is this? Who is Amber Heard? Who? Who? What? What? Why is it? okay?" And so, like, you know, and then like on social media, same deal. 
go on there on the search feed. That's all it is. is pictures of him looking confused on the stand, her and her suit business suit thing and just looking upset freeze frame of her shaking a fist you know and things <laughs> and and so anyways for the folks that are like mike that haven't uh heard any of this good for you you know <laughs> good for you and if you want to keep it that way just give me a couple of minutes to go through this ridiculousness. You know, turn turn it on mute for a couple of minutes or down. Just busy <laughs> yourselves with other tasks. I don't know what you're doing. Wash some dishes, something what? like that. I don't know. Anyways, for the listeners that are interested, here's what happened. Amanda Heard, or Amber Heard, sorry. Amber Heard, Johnny Depp married each other in 2015. They filed for a divorce in 2016. Amber Heard got a restraining order at that time, accused him of physical and verbal abuse. He denied those statements. They went back and forth. Then they reached a settlement in August 2016. They're like, you know what? Scratch all that. We're good. And they actually came out with a joint statement that was like, yeah, we're totally fine. Never mind. Right? Then, 2018... Depp sued the Sun tabloid for publishing a headline that called him a wife beater. And then in 2018, Amber wrote an op-ed piece about abusive relationships, which she alluded to Johnny Depp. She didn't she didn't say Johnny Depp, but it was basically like one of those times like, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you know. One of those. And uh, he sued her for defamation over that piece. And then Heard, uh. Heard was like, you know what? Countersue. So she countersued him, right? Hmm. And that was way back in 2019. They hadn't got to the trial until now. Oh. And this is the trial for defamation uh, and the countersuing. They're doing them simultaneously. This is a defamation ah. suit and the countersuit simultaneous. Now, if you're keeping track of all of this, listeners, if you just heard everything that I said, you'll notice that none of that affected your life. <laughs> Absolutely in no way, none of that was pertained to you in the slightest bit. Nope. Yet, we have live streams live streaming the trial, Mike. Just, mm -hmm. we yep. got to get every bit of it. What? Mm -hmm. What? Now, also, really quick to tie this in to what I brought up earlier, Mike. Uh, after she divorced Johnny Depp, Amber dated Elon Musk. Really? Yeah, for like almost a year. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. So I don't know what that means, like, if she's going to be with me in the execution room of the evil emperor or whatnot. But... <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, it's a weird choice to go from Jack Sparrow to Elon Musk, you know. <clears throat> but she did. Anyways, Mike, uh, I've come to the conclusion on these things. I'm not here to pl place judgment on either of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Nope. I, yeah. will, I will say I've got bits and pieces of the trial, and uh, it doesn't make either of them look very good. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I did not know this. Interesting. I mean, there's confirmed poo throwing. Ooh. There's alcohol. There's drugs. There's name calling. There's text messages. There's bad videos. Bad yeah, there's videos. Recordings. It's not good. 
Nah. Nope. But you know, you know, listeners, that's not surprising. Because if you take an hour of my life, really any hour, it doesn't matter when. It could be now, it could be later tonight, it could be in the morning. Like, you take an hour of my life and play it back in court, I will look like a horrible, loathsome wretch. Like, <laughs> that's a fact. It's not, it, it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter when it is. People would come out of that courtroom and be like, what a sick, depraved man. That mm-hmm. was disgusting. <laughs> like, it's just, and that's not just me, Mike. Like, even someone like best friend and great supporter of the show, Tom Brady. Like, let's say yeah. Tom Brady, like, let's say for some reason, Giselle just all of a sudden is like, I've had it with this turd. What? And she takes Tom to court, you know? You'd get all kinds of ridiculous stories coming out. There'd be stories of, like, Tom farting on somebody's Greek salad, rubbing his ball sack <laughs> on his neighbor's golf cart, eating carbs. What? Mm. He had a no sandwich? Way. He had he a baguette? He did it. He would he never did. do that. He would do it, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if you're tuning into this trial because you want to see that these folks aren't perfect, I could have told you that before the trial. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You don't need to look for imperfections there. We're all imperfect. All right, Doc G, but the poop throwing, come on. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was crazy. more I think it was more poop placing. <laughs> think it was more poop placing because apparently it was like i think it was like putting the poo in the bed to make it look like it was the dog's poo if i'm correct still yeah i know yeah it's very weird it's very like i said it's not it's not making you look good but i mean you know it was amber heard what anyways yeah (laughs) (laughs) like like i said man it's it's like j cole said what Mm. aren't, aren't we all sinners Come on. Yeah. Come true. on. I mean, if you're looking for perfe- imperfections, listeners, we've got the best show right here. Right Just here. saying. If you're looking for imperfections, I'm pretty sure our catchphrase from 2017 to 2018, the Doc G Show, imperfection of the radio. That's <laughs> pretty sure that's what we were, man. So I'm just okay. saying, listeners, forget that trial. Forget the live streams. Tune in here. Mm-hmm. Tune in yeah. now. You know that's a fact. Mike, are you ready to fire up these imperfections? Let's do it. We need to. We need to fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Mm, Mike, we have a fantastic show. I am excited about our guest. We have Nick Nietzpaziani. Mm. From the fantastic Yacht Rock Review. Oh, yeah. I'll real, I'll, 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 I want to say real quick, and I'd say he's too smart. He's not dumb like myself. But I have the hardest time with Yacht Rock or Yacht as a word. Huh? It's a yeah. five-letter word, and I still forget where that T goes. For some reason, I'm just like, C-H go first? Or does T go first? No, no, it's it's T, it's T, <laughs> and I just I I don't know what it is. I don't know what moronic thing goes on in my head, but every time I'm like, nope, wrong, up, oh, whoops, wrong. <laughs> like, don't know what it is. Yacht Rock Review. These dudes, they sell out venues, Mike, like big venues, nice. like they're like, you know, 
they're like Dane Cook back in the day. Like oh okay, they're playing the St. August Ampa uh, St. Augustine Amphitheater. Oh and wow, they're selling it out. Five thousand people. You know that's huge. Yeah, yeah, they're that's like massive. They're like Taylor Swift if she did yacht rock. You know that's what they are. Yeah, can't wait to talk to Nick. It's gonna like, be fun. <laughs> they're like Taylor Swift. Year one, six yeah. months in, maybe. Yeah, you know, before she got everything else and she was doing, yeah, yeah. you know, live streams with billions of people and drinking Coke and wearing <laughs> silver jumpsuits and, you know, all that nonsense. What? Anyways, I don't want to get the Tay-Tay fans on me. I love her. <laughs> Listeners, don't, don't, come, don't come at me. Nope. Uh, Mike, we need to start, though, where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday. It's not me this week. It's not me. Sadly, we're already a week past. Can you believe it? I'm already now a week older. God, it's been crazy. Crazy how that works. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike, I got a feeling you might not get this. (laughs) It's okay. It might be a little embarrassing. Girl, come on! But we're going to do it. It's a historical one. We're going to... I'll jump in. If I see you struggling, I'm just gonna say the name, and we'll we'll just, just edit it. We'll edit it into yeah, the show, exactly. so it looks like we'll just go if it's really yeah, bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, keep in mind. I want you to keep in mind. I said on a past show he was one of my favorite presidents, dark horse president. Keep mm. that in mind. Uh, born on April 27th, 1822 in Point Pleasant, Ohio. Our birthday suit wearer moved from around the Midwest during his childhood. Eventually, our birthday suit wearer, with the help of his dad's persistence, was admitted to the military academy at West Point. He was an extremely talented soldier, but he was, uh, uh, or, yeah, he was an extremely talented soldier, and he was a very good horseman. However, he only graduated 21 out of 39 cadets, as far as his ranking. After school, he served in the Mexican-American War. Uh, And then, after the war, he actually resigned from the Army and wasn't doing anything really relative to the Army until the start of the Civil War. He re-enlisted into the Army as a colonel. It wasn't long before he was promoted to Brigadier General and then General. By 1864, he was commander of all the Union's armies. And in 1865, he accepted the surrender of the Confederate Army from General Lee at the Appomattox Courthouse. Our uh, birthday suit wearer was elected president in 1868 and served from 1869 to 1877. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer passed away in 1885 due to cancer. Also, fun fact, he's on the $50 bill. Name that birthday suit wearer. (laughs) Um, Wow. $50 bill. We need to edit this part out. What? Um, Ulysses S. Grant is correct. I wanted to say Teddy Teddy Roosevelt, but it was in my mind the whole time. He didn't, listeners. He wanted to say Ulysses S. Grant. I jumped in there for him. And I, was say uh, that. I didn't let him say it. I'm sorry, Mike, wow, that I jumped you. in front of you. Girl, come on! You're exposing Ulysses. my public education here. <laughs> you Florida schools! Come on! Uh, Ulysses S. Grant, one of my favorite presidents, the winner of the uh, Civil War, uh, also known U.S. was his Ulysses S. Grant, 
was mm. his name. He was also known as U.S. Grant. And at the start of the uh, con- uh, the uh, Civil War, he started becoming known as Unconditional uh, Surrender Grant because mm. basically when he took over uh, battle, he would not uh, give any conditions for their surrender uh, for the uh, the, the uh, Confederacy. He's basically hmm. what we would call a hard you know. Nice. See, I knew all of this. I, I knew. Know. You're, you're just telling me stuff I already knew. Just old, old, old news. <laughs> this is broken news for Mike, you know? <laughs> That's a fact. And now a lot of people uh, so will bad. get angry at me for that whole uh, greatest presidents deal. I get it. There were a lot of bad things that went on in his presidency. There was a lot of corruption. Uh, most of the corruption, though, I will point out, was not him and was not r- mm. linked directly to one of the people that he worked directly with. It was in the surrounding area of the government. You're talking 1865. How he's going to keep tabs on all that stuff, you know? You and then this is right after the Civil War. That's always the point that I give people. He kept the country together after a civil war, which is not an easy thing to do. And I feel like if he wasn't there, a lot of presidents would have let it go again, and it would have gone, you know, we would have had another split. There would have been another Mm. secession. That's the things that didn't happen. That's what I point to as far as his. And he he was very strong as far as civil rights. Civil rights for Native Americans, civil rights for African Americans, civil rights for all Americans, which I think is very underplayed, his his level that he played in that. He's very strong hmm. about all of that, and that's overlooked most of the time because of the quote-unquote corruption, which, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, he died of, uh, of uh, throat cancer, Mike, uh, mainly because of the cigars, I think, that he loved to uh, smoke and chew. Aww. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it was sad, you know? He actually didn't have much money to his life, uh, and then he wrote his memoirs, and he was afraid that he was actually going to die before he got to publish them, and he's afraid he's going to leave his family with nothing. But luckily, he published or finished them right as he was dying, and those memoirs basically uh, gave his family money to live for the rest of their lives. So, wow, uh, That's yeah, crazy. yeah, I didn't know that. I could go on about old U.S. Grant, man. He's uh, you know, so true. under I feel like underappreciated, getting more appreciated as the years go on, but. Uh, you know, uh, very, very important figure in American history. So, uh, U.S. Grant, April 27th. Happy birthday, Mr. Grant. $50 Happy bill, birthday, Mike. Sir. Get some $50 more, bill. Get some more 50s, Mike. Get some more 50s. I don't 50s. see a lot of them. Yeah, it's too, too much crypto, right? Too much? <laughs> too much. Just walking around with all those Bitcoins, man. Uh, okay, Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Yeah, let's hear it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, we're going to start here, of course, in Florida. Florida. Of course. This is perfect. This is perfect. You literally, I don't know if you can write a better headline. I mean, I know people are thinking Florida headline, meth, alligators, but this one goes right up there with it. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's, Here's the headline. Quote, guest arrested with gun hanging around his neck while ingesting bag of chalky white substance 
outside Magic Kingdom. Mm. Nice. There we go. There we go. Just a trifecta. <laughs> Just <laughs> drugs, guns, Disney. Boom. Yes. That's Florida. <laughs> that is Florida. Now, awesome. I do like, apparently, when police ask him about the gun, he said he was holding on to the gun for his sister, who has a concealed weapon license. The man then said he didn't think anything of it. Uh, when he picked up the weapon, he just grabbed it. Yeah. I'm going to throw this out there, listeners. Anytime you pick up a gun, give it some thought. Mm. Just a yeah. couple seconds. Definitely think about it. You know, when you pick up something that can end somebody's life, you might want to just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. why, why do I have this in my hands? You know, maybe a couple seconds. More seconds than you would give to, like, deciding what you're going to order at Starbucks. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. It's yeah, important. for sure. Important. Uh, Mike, we're going to keep it in Florida. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go to Cocoa High School. That's sort of uh, close to where you grew up, right? Cocoa Beach. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's on the I coast. Mean, it's, it's down the... Well, uh, Cocoa High School seemed to... It, it, it Brevard County there. I mean, yeah. you know... Like, did you ever compete against them? Can you remember, like, like a football game, anything like that? I don't know. Doctor, yeah, I wasn't really involved in anything, uh, anything school related. Anything no, productive? No, yeah, okay. no, pretty much no. <laughs> no lockers, nothing productive, and we didn't learn about U.S. Grant. No, all right, we didn't learn anything. Oh man, Mike, I, I we we need to start some grassroots campaigns to help those schools out. That is yeah, bad. we did. Um, and you, and you, grass, <laughs> grassroots campaign for Mike. Um, okay, well, apparently uh, there's a bomb threat uh, mm. at Coco uh, High School, and um, the bomb threat was made by Anaya Smith. She's in a little mm. hot water there. Now, apparently, what went down was Anaya's son was at the cafeteria at the school. He asked for more food, and the cafeteria worker said, nah, you're not getting any more. Girl, come on! And apparently, she he went home, told Anaya, and she was like, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to call the school and leave a voicemail that says, I'm going to blow this mother- up unless my son gets more food. <laughs> uh, it's a so bit, funny. A bit extreme, you know. Well, uh, evidently, an officer who claims to have had several interactions with Anaya recognized her voice on the answering machine. Hmm. But Anaya told the news station after she was released from jail, "That's not her. Nope." She has been falsely identified based on bad information from the school. Plus, mm. she said that the number on the caller ID was not her phone number. Word. Mm. Now, there's a couple of things that are very interesting to me about this story, Mike. First, one thing that I left out at the beginning was that apparently the voicemail of this bomb threat was one of four bomb threats that have been made to this high school between February and March. Hmm. It's a busy what year. The, what the <laughs> is going on at this school, Mike? Like, why does everybody want to get after this school? This is not healthy, 
I don't well, know what's going. Not how good. good are the bomb threat uh, breaks? I mean, it's, if the bomb threat breaks are pretty good, if you're going out, hanging out, having a good time, you have a lot the more repercussions. Threats. You know, <laughs> you got to find what the repercussions are. Second, say what you will about our tactics. They were very bad tactics, but you, this mom is not letting her kid go hungry. Mm-mm. You know, no way. You're checking up on that. And lastly, I like how she used the evidence that it wasn't her phone that was on the caller ID. Like, she couldn't use another phone. Like, she couldn't be like, hey, Mike, can I use your phone? (laughs) Hey, I'm going to blow this up. Like, you can't, like, (laughs) this day and age, it's not like we've only got one landline that we're like, well, hmm, what are we going to do? You know? Google Voice. I don't know. Just saying. (laughs) Think about it. (laughs) <laughs> um, Mike, one more, one more story in Florida. One more story. We're gonna go right. over to Franklin County. You know mm. where Franklin County is? No idea. No idea where that is. That's a panhandle. <laughs> That's a panhandle, uh, okay. Florida, Mike. Gotcha. And uh, apparently, they didn't get a memo. They didn't know that they're not a Polk County or a Pasco County because they tried to pull some P County stuff here. They <laughs> sweet. They tried to get into that level of stuff. Uh, the county sheriff conducted a controlled buy. Do you know what a controlled buy is? Hmm. Mm, no, I mean, no. It's where, they, it's where they try to convince some folks to sell drugs to them, and then they arrest them. Oh, okay. It's, I was going to guess that, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, uh, how to catch a predator except with drugs instead of uh, perverts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they arrested Kristen Kent for selling two ounces of meth to police officers. And uh, she also got arrested for uh, possession of a couple of other drugs along with the meth. Uh, Now, Mm. the kicker to the story, though, is that the county sheriff is Kristen Kent's dad. You know what? You know what? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He arrested his own daughter for selling meth. That is correct, listeners. Yes. Yes. Now, a couple of things, Mike. First, that's sort of like the Johnny Depp trial. Like, (laughs) it's sort of like the Johnny Depp trial and the fact that if you do this, if you are that sheriff, you better make sure she has nothing on you. Mm, Because if she does, when she gets to the courthouse, it's coming out. Very true. Very true. Necessary or not. That stuff is coming out. So, you know, if you got caught with, like, in your car or something like that, or it, it's it's going to be in the courtroom the next day, <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh, oh, forgot about that one. Yikes. Ugh. I mean, second thing. Second thing, like, I don't know if I'm the sheriff. I'm getting another officer to make that arrest, you know? So true. Like, if I'm in the sting room and I see it's my daughter, I'm like, Jerry, you're going to take this one? Is somebody... (laughs) And then when she tells me, like, when she calls me up, I'm going to be like, what? The county sheriff that I work for? Me? Really? (laughs) That's weird. They didn't tell me about that one, but... I don't know if there's anything I can do. I'll try. I'll check it out. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, okay, anyways, like, second, regardless of how he handles it, that's going to be some awkward Christmas in 5 to 10, you know? Yeah, very true. That, 
Air is not smoothing that over. That is rough. No way. Well, you do got to give it to him. <laughs> I mean, he went through with it, you know? I don't think there's a lot of parents that would go through with that one. That's, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. Mike. Uh, Mike. Was there was there a press conference? Did he have to talk oh, about yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said it was the hardest thing, the hardest thing a, a parent's got to do. I was like, I don't know if any other parents done that or not. Let's check the records. No, Let's I don't think see, so. <laughs> see how many. You're like one in seven billion or something like that. Uh, Mike, we've already talked about one crazy billionaire trying to take over the world. Uh, let's take, uh, let's talk about the other one, Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike, in between trips on his rocket, uh, Jeff has made time to finish the design for Amazon's second headquarters in Northern Virginia. Oh. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Have you seen it? No. What is it? A bunch of robots? <laughs> You're never going to guess, Mike. It looks like a giant Ah. I'm, I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. Uh, go ahead, listeners. Google it. I'm I'm starting to think this dude has a bit of a fixation, Mike. A little mm. bit. Maybe little he's bit. trying to launch his warehouse into space. Maybe. Maybe it's just a ground I feel a like it's flight. a. it could be like a secret, you know, <laughs> secret layer that shoots out. Trouble starts mm. in the world, and he just... <laughs> Like Dr. Evil, he's already got the smooth look, you know? Yeah, he saying. does. Uh, the county board in Virginia approved the building 5-0. 5-0. Not a single person on the board was like, you know what? I don't want a giant downtown. It's not. <laughs> no. No. But no, you'd think one person. Like, I mean, I'd like to think I'd be that person, you know? But apparently nobody else, nobody else is doing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I do think obviously I'm on his execution list as well. I'm pretty sure I already got on that <laughs> list from saying he didn't look young a couple shows back, if you remember back. Uh. He's like, noted I look young as a 23-year-old and Ben Gordon will be executed. Done. Okay. <laughs> Just check that one out. But, Mike, uh, regardless, it's on the docket. Uh, big old building coming to Alexandria. It, I, now, aside from the phallic shape, I will <laughs> say it does look pretty cool in the fact that it's got like, it's, it's like a ramp all the way up the outside that spirals up the outside that's supposed, and it's got greenery all around it, trees going mm. all the way up. And it's supposed to be, uh, resemble a mountain hike was what it's supposed to, you're supposed to be able to like walk all the way up in greenery all the way mm. up to the top, Interesting. essentially. Oh, so it's a vertical, it's, it's a vertical building. It's not like a flat, like one story warehouse style. Oh, it's 25, oh. it's 25 stories, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I thought you were talking about like a satellite view of it looks like a no, no, the actual it's vertical. Wow. Yeah, it's just standing erect, just right up there and downtown. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You gotta watch out, man. Watch out. He's taking over, folks. He's behind. He's behind Elon, though. He's got to cut catch up. Got to do some catching. Yeah. Um. 
Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break right now. We are going to be back in just a little bit. But right now, I'm very excited because we are going to hear our guest. This is Yacht Rock Review covering one of my favorite songs of the 70s with Brandy right here on the Doc G Show. ships a day the lonely sailors they pass the time away and talk about their home there's a girl in this harbor town and she works laying whiskey down they say brandy fetch another round she serves him whiskey and wine the sailors say brandy Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM here in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. Say what? Listeners, if you haven't done so, 
you need to take yourself to a podcast platform and subscribe to the Doc G mm-hmm. show. Yes! I look mostly at the Apple numbers. So if you could do it on Apple, that'd really make my day. Mm. You know? Yeah. And, and a five star on there. Oh, get out of town. That'd be so nice. Oh, man, if I woke up tomorrow and saw another five-star, you don't even know. You don't even know. That'd be like that'd be like a, a like Jeff Bezos getting another yes! building. That's how, <laughs> that's how great it would be for me. I'd be that excited, <laughs> listeners. You don't even know, man. Uh, so if you could do that for me, that'd just be dandy. I'd be, uh, and, and Mike would be happy, too. I would be very he's, happy, yeah. He's out there pushing the show. He... He re he restreams the show on his SoundCloud. Yeah, you know, and and uh, I mean, there's no reason why he should re push it through other other uh, platforms, but he'd do it if he needed to. Mm-hmm. You know, he put it on them all. You know, so just yeah, do everything. us do us a favor, do us a favor, and uh, subscribe, make our day. Um, speaking of making our day, Mike, gotta gotta shout out the regulars here. Oh yeah. Shout out. All right. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, and Tom's River, New Jersey. Shout out. Yo. Nice. Nice. Keep it going, Biloxi. Keep mm-hmm. it going, Tom's River. Moscow fell off. <laughs> Moscow fell off. Yeah, f- fell off. Fell off. Mm. So did Sao Paulo this week. I had to take him off. Yeah. I don't know what Sao Paulo's no, doing, so. guys. Come on now. Anyways, here we go. Semi-regulars. Shout out. Shout out to Asheville, North Carolina, Mountain View, California, Woodland Hills, California, Arlington, Texas, Rockville, Maryland, Nashville, Tennessee, Denton, Texas, Christchurch, New Zealand, hmm. Malden, Massachusetts, Kansas City, Missouri, and Northridge, California. There we go. There we go. Nice. Got Christchurch, New Zealand. Yeah. I feel like that's... I, uh... I haven't done any research. I guess that's just all Christchurch. Like, it's just their own city. Yeah. I guess. I, guess. I, got, I don't know. I, I got to look into it, Mike. Uh, Mountain View, they're semi-regulars. That's where that's where Apple is. They uh, oh, okay. They can they they've been off and on listeners ever since the beginning of the podcast. Oh, they that's awesome. In. Yeah, they come in. I can't give them regular status. I could at the beginning. Hopefully Monday we'll get back there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully one day. I'm hoping we'll get back there. You know. Uh, Mike, I did want to mention, um, as you can see here in the studio, we've got this great Florida artwork here yeah it's beautiful this is florida this is uh our land is the artist there our period as in a abbreviation land Mm. and uh he does some great artwork and i'm very excited i'm gonna show you uh most likely next week i'll have it but he did this great piece that i wanted to get and i didn't know if i could get it because i was like well we're not a georgia show uh, but he did one like Georgia as well, and he put all of the most famous artists, music artists, 
from Georgia. He wrote their names in different like fonts uh. in the state. And so you had the Almond Brothers, and you had uh, James Brown, and you had uh, Blackberry Smoke, and you had Driving and Crying, you had Outcast, and you just had CeeLo and Goody Mob, and just everybody, because there's yeah. so many great artists. For and I sure. started thinking afterwards, I was like, what about Florida? We got some amazing artists yeah. in Florida. Why isn't? Why didn't he do a Florida one, you know? And I was a little bit offended about that because he mm -hmm. made that one back in like 2019, the Georgia one. And I was like, where's the Florida one? Well, the other day, Mike, literally, just like I think it was a couple days ago, I went on his website and he had made one specifically of just Duval County, of just <laughs> our county, of Jacksonville, right? And all the artists that have come from Jacksonville. And so it's just an outline of Duval County and all the artists in it. And so it's going to be right here, Mike. I'm putting nice. it up on the studio wall. I'm very excited. It's going to be, hopefully it will be in by next week. Uh, I will review the artist with the listeners. So get excited. If you don't want to hear that, listeners, uh, email me before next show so we don't do that on air. <laughs> um, if not, I've got sad news for you. You're going to hear it. Mm -hmm. um, yes! I'm excited. Anyways, Mike, I'm yeah, I'm very excited about it. Also, Mike, I uh, I am part of a Pizza of the Month Club. It's a very ritzy thing. Yes, um, yeah. that's a fact. I get a I get a different pizza from around the country overnighted to me once a month. That's awesome. It's very exciting, Mike. Yes, you, and you and I and I don't know I don't know what pizza is coming my way. Nope. Like, you get a random pizza, so you have no idea. Oh, wow. So it's very okay. exciting. Yeah. Now, they do sort of spoil it because they email you before, and they're like, hey, this is where it's coming. So, like, two days before, you find out what it is. And I'm like, oh, man, just let the box come. And I'll be like, what? No way. You yeah. know? But I will say, listeners, this month, I got Picasso's pizza from Buffalo, New York. Picasso's. Mm. And I'll tell you something. Those cold weather mofos up there know how to make some pizza. Yeah. You know what? Scr scratch that. They know how to make food. Because yeah. I love their wings, too. <laughs> they do have good okay? Something about when it's cold, you got to make that stuff that sticks to your bones, Mike. And they mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. They do it. This pizza, oh, it's so sneaky good. So true. It's so sneaky good. First of all, they got like all kinds. It's pe pepperonis galore. It's a pepperoni party. Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm talking and about. And then... They do like this double layer thing. Like so it's a it's like two layers of of crust. It's not thick crust. Interesting. But then there's cheese in, in between the, the two. Yeah. Whoa. With just a little bit of sauce. Yeah. Just a little bit of sauce. So it's sort of like almost like you could think of it as like a closed pizza like a calzone or mm -hmm. almost like like a lasagna cuz it's layer Ooh, on layer, yeah. you know? It's oh man. Man, mm. This is interesting. It's good. I have to yeah. check this out. It's good, listeners. It's good. I'm telling you. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Anyways, hey, Doc Mike. G, Doc G, I know you're not. I know we're not sponsored by them. But what is this like little? What is this Pizza of the Month Club? What is this? You can't say it on air. Go Can you say it? Gold Belly. Gold Belly. Gold oh, man, Belly. I'm this down. That sounds like a. That sounds fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's right. not. I'm, I mean, it's a waste of money, <laughs> listeners. It is an extreme waste of money, but it's fun. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put their prices out there, but I'm it's. It I'm gonna say, <laughs> if if you're a sane person, it's probably not worth it. But I'm not a sane person, so it's okay. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's why we haven't seen a lot of 50s in our life. Nope. Um, no. <laughs> it's why no we kids. don't know U.S. Grant. <laughs> nope. Uh, that's true, too. It's very true on the kids. Yes. Um, okay, Mike, We got. I got a couple real quick leftover stories here. Uh, Mike, something nobody wants to hear. Uh-oh. Something nobody wants to hear. A new Ebola outbreak uh. has hit the DRC in Africa. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Not good. Uh, the Red Cross is out there right now. So only one confirmed case right now, one casualty. Uh, but it's the 14th outbreak in the country since 1976. So they don't happen that often, you know. But uh, I got to be honest. You know me, Mike. I'm not a fan of any disease. Nope. But definitely not Ebola. Definitely not, like... That's a fact. I was thinking about it. There's no denial of Ebola, you know? Like, if you get COVID, you can humor yourself, at least for the first starts of the symptoms, you know? Right. Like, it's just a cough. It's fine. Yeah, it's just a headache. I'll be okay. Mm. Yeah. I can't it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to humor yourself when it's Ebola. Like, <laughs> when you're bleeding from your eyes, you can't just be like, oh, it's my allergies. Oh, yeah, there we like... go. Get that allergy. There we go. Like, <laughs> when your symptom is a Stephen King novel, like, oh, no. No. Uh. That terrifies me listeners so true terrifies me we had a story on the show back in the day mike where a dude had ebola and he had told his mom who by the way had recently died of ebola he told his mom that he was going to finish and graduate college he gra- he took his exams while he had ebola oh my gosh like, Not they had good. to bring it to him in a biohazard suit, and we're like, hey, there you go. And that dude's just in there writing away, like, oh, I got a little blood on that question. Sorry about <laughs> that. That's, like, I, how do you do that, man? That is, hats off to that guy Did still. I can't remember his name. I, <laughs> that would have been even worse. That would have been such Failed. a downer. Yeah. <laughs> To be that teacher, sorry, you gave it a real good effort, but you are dumb. Fail, there you go. (laughs) Oh, anyways, DRC, try to stay away from that Ebola, guys. That Mm, is, yeah. eh, keep that minimized, minimized. Mm. Um, Mike, let's ship it up to Boston. Up to Boston. Uh, Athena and Eric Tinzar. Athena and Eric Tinsar, they uh, live on the Indian Pond Country Club. And they recently won a settlement suing the golf course for damages, emotional and mental suffering from golf balls hitting their house. Wow. Now, how much was this settlement, you ask? Just a cool $5 million. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. Not good for them. Not good for them, Doc G. Not good for them, but good for them. Yeah. Not, Not good, good for, for them, them, but good for them. So apparently the Tenzars bought the house back in 2017 for $750,000. Uh, 
And uh, since it's been a frightening hailstorm of golf balls on their house, uh, Eric says it was their dream house until golf season started. And that's when the tormenting started. So the trial took six days. And like I said, they were awarded $5 million. Mike, this is amazing to me in so many ways, this story. Like, first off, first of all, this is, we said, I said that this is Boston. Yeah. This is, what is the golf season in Boston? June to August? Yeah, very like, short window. <laughs> can't be window. that long. <laughs> like, I'm not playing golf in a late April snow shower. Like, oh, just play through. It's only two inches. Like, second, they moved on to a golf course. That's a fact. You saw the house was on a golf course. You could have easily marked out the trajectory of golf balls and where they would travel and be like, you know what? I think we're right in, right in a, a drive here. This might be bad. <laughs> this, you know how bad people suck at golf? This could be rough, you know? Like... It's like our it's like our bro living beside the airport in Dublin. Like you knew what you were getting into. It's not like the first ball hit your house and you're like, "Oh, I thought those things were made out of foam." Oh god, that was scary. Like, was no. No. And then like you said, Mike, how do you get awarded 5 million dollars? It's country five club. 5 million. You're an upper middle class family that had a ball hit your house every day and you get five billion five million dollars for that like and and you had golf balls hit your house and you signed up for that you signed a mortgage that you're like hell yeah we'll do that and you got five million dollars for that there are dudes that have been wrongly accused of a crime and spent 30 years in prison and they got like a couple hundred thousand dollars. So true. Like, and these people got five million dollars. Gosh. Gonna say it, folks. If you're looking to make a whole bunch of money that you don't deserve, hire lawyer Bob Galvin. <laughs> Bob Galvin was the dude that got him $5 million. Mm. I don't know what he said, but he got it done for the Tensars. Yeah, he so, did. Wow. Just if you're in the Boston area and you need to make some money off of something you don't deserve money from, <laughs> go for Bob Galvin. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with Nick right here on the Doc G Show. This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rock and Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are joined by the lead singer and the fantastic leader of the Yacht Rock Review, who will be in St. Augustine, May 14th at the Amphitheater. The one, the only, Nick Nietzpaziani. Nick, how's everything going? You're welcome for having me. Things are going very smooth in my world. Awesome. Awesome, man. I am. I am uh, very grateful that you are here on the show. Uh, 15 years of Yacht Rock. Thousands of shows into it, man. Thousands of shows. So many cool things uh, have happened because of the Yacht Rock review. I was wondering, do you ever... Do you ever think what would have happened if Y.O.U. would have refused to play another Yacht Rock night at the the 10 High Club? Oh, man. My life would be completely different. I was in law school, and I was uh, studying to be an entertainment attorney, or I thought I was studying to be an entertainment attorney, and everybody was kind of splintering off in their own directions. And... uh, Man, I don't know. I don't know where I would be today. I'd have more law school debt than I do, probably. <laughs> got that paid off with Yacht Rock money. Good, good. Uh, that's I. Well, and you look back at those times now; it'd be even worse as far as the the debt. That's uh, ooh, yikes, yikes. Now, I actually just talked to a, a lawyer friend last night, or or a, a fan who is a lawyer, and she she was like. Yeah, you made the right decision. Every time I talk to a lawyer, they tell me that I made the right decision uh, switching to music from law. Sadly, uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I don't know too many happy lawyers, honestly. Uh, I know a few, but they all wish they were musicians, right? Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think I don't think there's too many. I mean, for the people that do wish they were lawyers, good for them. Hats off that they found that uh, profession for them. But, I mean, I feel like most people... If you can rock, rock. Now, for listeners that don't know, YOU was the band you turned into Yacht Rock Review that sort of uh, molded into it. And you started that back in Indiana uh, about 20-odd years ago. Uh, and I know I know just a little bit about your past, that it wasn't Yacht Rock, obviously, that inspired you. Uh, I heard it was some of the getting into music with some of the 90s classics that you were originally into as far as music, uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, that kind of thing. Yeah, when I was learning to play guitar, luckily Nirvana was super popular, and you know that's only power chords. You only had to know how to play one shape to play every Nirvana song, and so it was perfect for uh, a beginning guitar player. We played all that stuff, and then, then we went... Uh, you know, leveled up from there and got into Zeppelin and Floyd and all that kind of thing. And then college, we got into jam bands like Fish and Dead. I guess we got into Dead in high school a little bit. And then, um, you know, Yacht Rock didn't, you know, it was always kind of in my periphery. Like I was aware of, I always loved Hall & Oates, Mm -hmm. but I was aware of like Ambrosia and some of these other bands. But until we did the show, it was not really a, a genre that I would say was, taking up a very large portion of the the pie chart of my musical uh, knowledge and passion, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, now, I heard in Indiana, actually, uh, you saw one of my favorite bands when you were young. I saw it back, and I just pulled out a random interview where you said in 93, uh, you saw the Stone Temple Pilots at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Uh, that um, had to be awesome. Scott Weiland, like, you know, they opened the show with... Uh, Vaseline and it's like do 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 and like it's smoke and they have these giant like lava lamp light 
type things on the side of the stage and Scott Weiland comes doing his spinny dance out of the smoke and I like I felt like I was being blown back by the energy on the stage you know it was awesome it was so good oh man yeah I just I love I feel like I, I've said this before on the show, but I feel like Stone Temple Pilots is just was so underrated as a '90s band, as far as how unique they were, and as how hard they were, especially on that first album. Just, I mean, Core was just so dead and bloated, and Cracker Man, and just all of those good songs. Man, that had did that. I mean, was that some inspiration getting into into Roxy and that show live? For sure. And their songwriting too, like not only were they super heavy, but the songs were crafted, like they were very inspired by the Beatles with their mm -hmm. chord changes and, and the way that the, uh, their harmonic um, intelligence like played out in their music was really inspiring to see, oh, you could have this heavy sound, but you could be, you know, inspired by this more muso kind of approach. Like they're, and, and also their bass line that, you know, so Robert Galeo was was one of the primary songwriters and his approach to the bass like was just so musical i love that band oh yeah man oh yeah it's uh it's unique and that's always the thing that i think irked me the most when i'd hear people talk about them and like oh you know who do they not sound like and i'm like who do they sound like they don't sound like any of those other like grunge bands they don't sound like alice in chains or the you know or, or nirvana or any of them and that's the thing is I feel like just because of a flannel shirt, everybody got lumped in together in those all those bands. But Stone Temple Pilots, one of my my favorites for sure. Now you, uh, you started, and, and like you said, when you got into college, uh, that's where you really started making the you know the real sort of music rounds. Uh, what was it? What was it like? Uh, IU's campus, as far as like the music scene, was it a? It was it a heavy music scene at the time? Very much so, but in a different way. Like it wasn't really like a pop band kind of scene. Like I, Indiana has one of the top music schools in the country, so there were always like super shreddy players, um, like r a lot of jazz guys. Um, and so the jam band scene was really popping and there was like a funk and soul scene that was really popping, but there weren't a lot of like bands trying to write songs for the radio, you know, at IU at the time. So we we're, I was a little bit of an outlier in that regard, but I got into, um, I got into the IU soul review, mm. which is like this 20 piece band through the African-American arts Institute that did everything from like James Brown and Isley Brothers and Marvin Gaye all the way through Prince and D'Angelo, you know, and it was like six piece horn section, two drummers, eight singers. And, um, you know, I was always, I was super into Prince since I was a little kid. Like he's one of my favorite artists of all time. And getting to have that experience and learn, you know, our, our director, Tyron Cooper was like, Keith Sweat's guitar player for a long time. So like he's bringing like real knowledge about how to be in a band, how to lead a band, how to be tight, like on a completely different level than anything I had ever experienced before. Yeah. And I feel really cut my teeth and learned how to do what we do now in that IU soul review band. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Like even, even like the way we move on stage with Yacht Rock is very influenced by because, you know, when you're in a soul band, everybody's moving together. Like, that's just how, understood. That's how you do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that would, I mean, that was probably 
in terms of what the what became yacht rock that was probably my biggest influence was the iu story nice well i I mean i was gonna bring it up a little bit later in the in the interview but i mean since you brought it up i mean that's one of the things that always sticks out to me when i listen to you guys live is just how tight you guys are i mean as far as just the sound it sounds so good you guys are in so much so so in sync and it reminds me a lot of like you know back in the day you know, hearing stories about James Brown and how he was like, you guys got to be on this. This is, you got to be in that pocket. You know, he had his rhythm section exactly on key. The horns were coming in at the right time. I mean, uh, was that was that a thing that you guys thought about from the beginning? Like once you started actually going out and doing shows as Yacht Rock Review, was it like, we've got to be on. We've got to nail these songs like note for note be in the pocket well you know so yacht rock started with the thing that we always had going for us is we just had killer musicians at every position right like everybody is just a crazy good player at their instrument Mm -hmm. but at first honestly like we did a couple rehearsals we and we were playing down in the basement there at the 10 high you know and 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 it was like our ten thousand hours like every thursday we were in there grinding it out and that like the performances were our rehearsal and the way like we danced just kind of started to happen in, you know, I was like, Oh yeah. And soul review, we did this sidestep thing. And so we started doing that on stage and Mm -hmm. like, we started listening to the details and I would say, I mean, for me, it's still like a journey that we're on. Like, I feel like I am continuing to find new details and new ways to be tight and new elements about the show to tweak. It's almost like, you know, if you meditate, it's a practice. It's not like the end goal. It's just like a part it's, it's the practice that you do, right? And so, I mean, we were definitely not always as tight as we are now. There were some people who came to see us the other night and they hadn't seen us since the 10 high and they didn't realize it was the same band. And then they they saw us and they said, whoa, these guys are way better than they were in the basement. And it's like, I'd hope so. We played 500 shows since then, you know? About to say, yeah, that's been some time. Well, now you guys, I mean, speaking of the, uh, the 10 high club, that's obviously in Atlanta. You guys moved to Atlanta as Y-O-U originally, how, how did you decide on Atlanta? Because, I mean, you know, a lot's obviously changed in Atlanta since that time period. And I would say now it's much more music sort of centric than it used to be as far as sort of, I, I think a lot, of, especially hip hop, really pushed it to be sort of a, a music center I mean, you know, it's still not a, it's still not a Nashville or a, a Los Angeles, but... How did you decide on Atlanta? You know, we graduated from school at IU and we thought about New York, but everyone I know that moved to New York to be a musician is not a musician anymore. I guess maybe there are a couple exceptions, but like for the most part, New York kind of grinds you up, mm-hmm. right? And LA just felt too far for us. We weren't ready to make that big step, but we came down to Atlanta and we saw, you know, compared to like, you know, we were touring around the Midwest and playing in Chicago and Cincinnati and in in Indianapolis and all these places. And compared to there, we come down to Atlanta and there are all these clubs that are having, you know, three original bands a night playing, you know, pop punk music, playing metal, playing um, funk, playing, you know, all sorts of different styles. And we were like, wow, this place, you know, this, the world was kind of wide open to us down here. It just felt like there was something going at the time. There were a few bands that we came up with that I really felt 
had a chance to make it. I mean, obviously, being I hold myself in high esteem. I thought YOU probably should have made it, but we didn't. But like the Wigs were a great band mm-hmm. that kind of made it for a little while, but never really broke through. But a great band. Um, I mean, Manchester Orchestra did mm-hmm. make it out of our scene. You know, there were a few that kind of made it out, but um, there was a lot more bubbling underneath in Atlanta at the time than actually ended up getting out and making it. But, you know, we had awesome opportunities here. We got to open for Kings of Leon here. We got to open for Better Than Ezra. We got to open for Black Eyed Peas. I mean, it was like, you know, all sorts of random cool gigs that we got coming down here that I don't think would have happened for us if we would have chosen a place like New York. Although I went to see LCD Sound System on their recent residency up at, um, in in Brooklyn this winter. And I think about the scene that was happening in New York mm. at the time with, with, um, with LCD and the Strokes and all those bands. And I was kind of like, oh man, maybe I should have gone up there and tried to be a part of that, you know? What, what was? Uh, uh, Atlanta's, Atlanta's good for me. I think you made the right decision. Atlanta's fantastic. Now, I mean, the, what normally goes along with that is uh, I usually ask artists, uh, if you've been in a city for as long as you've been in Atlanta, I usually like to ask, if I come to Atlanta, where should I eat in your city? Uh, now, you own Vinkman's, right? Yeah, I'm biased, obviously, but I think you should come out and talk. Visit Bankman's, see some music. We actually just played there last night, and we're playing there tonight. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. yeah. Um, now, now, I you guys made a turn with the uh, the tacos. Uh, was that was that around the the pandemic that you uh, changed sort of the menu to uh, uh, sort of a Tex-Mex place? Yeah, we we were closed for almost two years during the pandemic. Um, and we decided, you know, we felt like we made some decisions coming out of the gate that weren't the right ones with Bankman's. And this was an opportunity to kind of reset. So we moved the stage, we changed some of the decor, we improved the sound system and we switched the menus to tacos because it just felt like that went with live music a lot better. And so Mm. far, so good. I mean, it's a, it's a vibe now. I'm really, really digging it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh. I you can't go wrong with a good taco, that's for sure. Especially when you're when you got good tunes. I uh, I saw before the pandemic. Uh, I watched some driving and cry, uh, crying performances there, uh, which were yeah. awesome. We had those guys on the show, just uh, Atlanta Atlanta legends there with uh, driving and crying. You guys are you guys are great, man. For sure, for sure. Now, uh, aside from Vankman's. If you have another second food option, if we're going second food option, what would you give me in Atlanta? Um, my favorite restaurant in Atlanta, and one of my favorite restaurants anywhere, is uh, this Italian place called Soto Soto mm. in, in Park. It is, I mean, it's white, it's white tablecloth. It's nice, but man, I've had some really good Italian food in New York and in London and lots of places in Rome and Naples. But and I put Soto Soto up against anywhere. It is. It is the real, real deal. Wow! It's, it's awesome. on a more on a more like lo-fi level. If you're coming, just try to you know wanting to do some stuff. Buford Highway is an amazing place. We used to have a group called the Buford Highway Adventure Club where we would go up there because so Buford Highway has like a super international vibe to it. Um, everything from Korean to El Salvadoran to Japanese, Chinese. I mean, you name it, it's up there. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite place is a, a um, 
upon me place called Lee's Bakery up there. Mm. So uh, the best upon me I've ever had. And I think a lot of people would say the same thing. So if you want something more lo-fi, go get a bond me from Lee's Bakery. I was, I was, uh, I'm gonna have to go check the tape now. Uh, we just had, we had a, a group uh, from, well, originally from Atlanta, Hotel Fiction, new up and coming uh, band there, and I'm pretty sure that's what they recommended. I know it was a place on Buford Highway, and I know, I, I think that's what they recommended was the bond me. I think. I have to Lee's Baker is tough to beat, man. I'm telling you. All I'm right. Telling you. Now, uh, clo close to close to you guys. I mean, my my brother went to uh, Georgia Tech back in the day, so I used to come down to Atlanta, especially on Ponce, all the time. And I'll be honest, I like a good meal at Eats. Yes! Just on Ponce, Eats is not a bad place. It's uh. So that's, I'm I'm in my studio at my house right now. That is like. 25 yards from where I'm sitting. I, that's that's my neighborhood. <laughs> it's I mean, you know, it's not it's not the craziest or anything, but every time I find myself getting a meal from Eats for some reason and it's just, you know, it's just your normal food. It's nothing extravagant, but it's nice. It's, it gives me it gives me that homey Atlanta feel every time I'm I'm there. But the whole the whole area you're in, I just love the 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 Ponce Market area. It's nice. It's a good place, man. Yeah, it's popping. So, so basically, like, my house is by Eats, and then there's Pond City Market, and then there's a little park called Old Fourth Ward Park, and then right behind that is Venkman. So it's all kind of, like, in the same scene down here. Very nice. Very nice. Well, now, um, back, to, back to Yacht Rock here. Uh, when you first did that first night, you decided to dedicate to Yacht Rock, and they told you, well, it was your decision do you remember like who in the band was like, we should just do a whole cover of Yacht Rock Jams? Yeah, it was our drummer, Mark Cobb at the time, and our um, our bass player, Greg. It was their thing. They wanted to do this night of AM Gold, and I was kind of skeptical, but I was like, sure, you know, I'll go along with it. We can we can give that a shot. And uh, and we did it, and then it was actually the, the booking agent at the club, Curtis Clark, who said, you guys need to do this all the time. And we were kind of skeptical. We were like, man, I don't know if this is a good idea. He's like, you should do it every Thursday. Because he had had success doing something called Metalsome Monday, which was like a live band, heavy metal karaoke every Monday, mm -hmm. which was so much fun. Like, it still is a, a ton of fun down there. And so he knew that, like, consistency was key. And if you did it every week on the same night, you're going to build it up into a thing. And I wasn't hip to that approach because i was always into doing something different yeah that was my my thing but um but curtis pushed us on it and it became like for four years it was like the thing to do on thursday night in atlanta is go down to the 10 high and dirty and smoky and just get drunk and sing along to little river band you know that was the thing <laughs> now i mean i i love I for some reason I'm that weird guy that's always loved yacht rock. Like I never had like an issue with it. I never found it to be cheesy or like I just I was just like, oh, these are jams. I like these. Like I get the feeling, like you said, you guys were hesitant. Like were you what was it that that made you hesitant? Was it the fact that you were just like, oh, I don't want to play uh, you know, other people's songs? Or was it was it the fact that it was yacht rock and you guys weren't on yacht rock at that time? Like that's not. 
our music that we dig? Um, it was a little bit of both. I thought I was, uh, you know, I thought I was above being in a cover band, mm. quite honestly. Mm. Um, I thought about that. And I also, uh, Steely Dan specifically, like their very clinical approach to playing and recording was the opposite of the ethos that, that appealed to me about music, which was connecting emotionally and on uh, a more visceral level. Mm. Like I was in like wanting people to hear the energy behind when I'm playing guitar chords. And if it wasn't exactly on beat, I wasn't going to go back and move stuff around and correct it. Whereas the Steely Dan is basically the opposite approach. So I blanketed all of Yacht Rock with uh, not emotionally invested, you know, and kind of the inverse of the things I was into at the time, which was like, the strokes and, and bands like that and you know come to find out as especially as i meet these guys like not everyone had that approach and there is actually a lot of emotion in this music and there is uh a lot of um legitimacy to being that accurate like steely dan is like d'angelo when he plays live is has a band that's super accurate too it's in a different way than steely dan but that kind of precision um it's it's cool oh yeah actually you know, like but it took me a while to get comfortable with that and understand it and internalize it in a way that could work for me yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it's, it was definitely a journey a lot of people like to make a big deal about like how i hated yacht rock in the beginning and it was um i mean i guess that's kind of true but it's more for me it's more like this this journey that i've been on and now i'm you know i'm still on it i'm still like finding my way in yacht rock and in music and finding new things that make me feel excited about it. It's always, yeah. a, it's always an evolution. It's m moving through it as you, as you go. And I, I definitely can see that there's definitely, yeah, you know, I, I, I think anybody listening to music, uh, can sort of feel the same way you evolve in, in your taste and you realize in your taste, uh, hopefully, you know, I, I, I'm always amazed by that person that listens to like, you know, I listen to the Ramones and ACDC, and that's it. Everything else sucks. This is all I listen to. And you're like, really? You haven't got tired of that yet? Over 30 years of listening to it? Just the same thing? Like, I can go back and appreciate it, but, like, after a while, you want to evolve the taste. You learn to like new things. And so, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Now, And part of it is about how you approach it, right? Like, the thing that I always loved about our band and still do is that you know we do play these steely dan and little river band songs but we approach them with the energy and like on stage vibe as though we're in acdc or, or we're in d'angelo's band and we're moving and we're like the song might on the recording sound like oh it only reaches like a four out of ten or a six out of ten but we're like approaching everything like it needs to hit ten out of ten and i think that energy like comes off of the stage and i think that the crowd connects with it and gives us the energy back and like that's kind of our our secret if you play soft rock songs like they're supposed to be soft yeah. it's going to be boring yeah right a, th a thousand percent i mean you can hear it on your 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 live album uh from 2019 i mean that that audience is a hundred percent booked in and as soon as you hit those chords of the first song whether it's summer breeze or sister golden hair they're just oh yes yes and they're they're into it man 
Um, right. It's black for them, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, obviously, I mean, going through these songs, playing these songs, it can, got to get, it's got to get old on some of them. Uh, and I was thinking about it. Is it, is it Rupert Holmes? Is it Escape that's like the most annoying for you to keep playing? Like, is that the one that you're like, oh, God. Or is there one more than that that you're just like, oh, this again? Man, we've been doing it so long now that I feel like songs kind of come in and out of vogue in our collective conscience, right? Yeah. Like, for a while, it really was Pina Colada song. Like, I just, I was just, I just couldn't have it. <laughs> and then after that, it was reminiscing. And I think we went a year or maybe two without playing Baker Street. Like, they're yeah. just, they're just songs that we just sometimes you got to give it a rest right but i think about if if you're in holland oats you can't ever give rich girl a rest like mm -hmm. somebody comes to you play and you don't play rich girl it's not okay yeah you know and the great thing about being in our band is having thousands of songs to choose from there's not really any one song i mean i suppose Africa by Toto and Baker Street are kind of that way now. Like, I feel like we can't really do a show if people are paying for tickets without doing those songs, right? Yeah. But for the most part, like, that's one of the great things about our gig is that we can always change the set list. We can always change um, the songs that we pick for a particular group uh, to make it fun and interesting for us. And I think that's important because if, if it becomes like muscle memory on autopilot then that comes across to the audience and i never want that to be the vibe a hundred percent a hundred percent now i do feel like with that repertoire you guys have a, like that's one of the good things about yacht rock is there's like a lot of one hit wonder songs in that genre um do you have a favorite one hit wonder of that genre i mean mine mine personally is steal away by robbie dupree uh not only because it's a great song you know my wife wanted to, to be one of the songs that we danced to at our wedding like it means a lot to me personally but nice you know i've now i've met robbie dupree i've played with him probably 30 times i'm good friends with them a few years ago before the pandemic he had us up to Woodstock, me and my wife, and we like palled around with him and he showed us around up there. Like we talk on the phone every couple of weeks, you know? So now I have such a personal connection to Robbie and to that song. He's kind of like my, like godfather of, in my music world, you know, it's him and, and my friend, Jeff Carlisi from 38 special, who kind of was like one of the first guys to take me under his wing. Um, but those two guys, kind of like showed me the way of how to exist in this world of, of more macro music. Like I had only done small clubs and these guys, you know, had played stadiums. And so they were kind of showing me, okay, here's how the business is like on this side. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, one that goes along with at least that you've got to pl play with, uh, you played with the, the lead singer of one of my favorite one hit wonders, looking glass brandy, uh, I just love that. It's so 70s. It's so just every, the vibe of uh, One Hit Wonder to me of the 70s is in that song. Uh, what was it like? That was at the Yacht Rock Revival. What was it like playing with Elliot there as far as uh, getting to do? Did you do Brandy with him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Jimmy Loves Marianne. We've nice. done with him. Um, so 
Elliot's an incredible guy. Another guy who's like one of our godfather, like friends. We just did our destination event in Jamaica and Elliot came with us. I probably played with Elliot, you know, same like 30 times when we went out to LA, hung out with him. You know, he took us around to some cool jazz clubs. Mm -hmm. um, and actually like Elliot just a couple of weeks ago sent me a new song that he's working on and we're we're co-writing a new song for our new record uh, together. Elliot's just very cool. such a dude and still got it in terms of like, the songs and and um, the musical creativity, but my favorite moment with Elliot is always we bring him out and people are excited, right? Mm -hmm. And we play the first chords of the song, and then he steps up and he sings, and his voice is so singular, like no one else sounds like him, mm -hmm. and he still sounds like that guy. And he's he comes in, and he's like, "There's a poor," and like people just go wild when you hear it. Like it's cool to hear me sing it, but when you hear him sing it, it's a completely different world. For sure, I I can I can only imagine, man. That is that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, like like I said, I mean, you guys you guys have that response at a lot of your shows i mean live you guys just for for the last 15 years have just had bigger and bigger shows what's what's the biggest show you can remember to date as far as the biggest one you played so far i mean the most tickets we've sold is here in atlanta at chastain which was like almost seven thousand tickets wow. which is crazy to me that that many people will pay money to see our band i mean I guess I'm a little bit used to it now, but it still feels really good. Yeah. But we did one time we, we were asked when the final four was in Atlanta. This was kind of still in the early days of Yacht Rock. We got asked to open up for like the bill was like us, Flo Rida, uh, um, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis and Ludacris. Wow. And it was at Centennial Park downtown. And, and there were like, 30,000 people there. I guess, you know, we played it. We played on the 4th of July at the Braves game, like after the game before the fireworks. And there were probably 30 or 40,000 people there. Wow. Like, you know, stadium size. Yeah. Those get pretty crazy. For sure. And people were into us, but I remember being up like side stage for Ludacris. And it was like me and Christian Leitner and Ludacris just had everybody like bopping like, it was, man, that was really fun you're that like, was a surreal you were like all right we're going for that next time next time we perform we need to get that to sister right. Golden i want to make Hair. people feel like i want to make people feel like ludicrous makes people feel man he is a performer he is he is incredible for sure uh well now you guys like we've mentioned we've been talking about obviously playing other people's songs for uh you know the start of the career and it, it wasn't until just a couple of years ago you guys actually released your debut album uh hot dads and in, in tight jeans and uh i heard that it was a, a good old-fashioned midlife crisis that inspired the the album uh that take me through that process real quick yeah i mean i was coming up on 40 and i was like what am i doing with my life is my you know i had a newborn daughter i was like is my daughter gonna be like yeah my dad sang Hall and Oates songs like is that what I'm going to be remembered for I mean not that that's awful but like you know it was kind of it was a little bit of a look in the mirror moment and so I started talking to the guys in the band I was like would it be crazy if we made our own record and really like went for it not just kind of like half but you know got a real producer went in the studio for like a month and you know worked really hard on songs and uh, you know I thought 
you know, our agent was going to shoot it down. I thought that the band was going to shoot down, shoot it down. Everybody's like, you know what? Yeah, let's go for it. You know, no one, no one was like, that's an awful idea. I think Robbie Dupree was maybe a little bit like, yeah, I don't know if you should do that, man. But uh, <laughs> he just didn't want me to kill the golden goose, you know? And, yeah. uh, but, um, you know, we did it and our fans, uh, they never ceased to amaze me. I, I, I thought they were going to just all go to the bathroom as soon as we played our first song of our own, but they hung around. And now, you know, when we play step and bad tequila, they're like two of the biggest songs of the night when we do our shows. And it's such a good feeling. You know, it's not like I'm going to all of a sudden change Yacht Rock to a band that only plays our own songs, but just having that little element of our own creativity that's allowed to be a part of our show now and that is not only allowed, but embraced by our fans is such a good feeling. And it's going to give me the juice to keep keep going and keep doing this for a while, you know, because I think it it could get stale if we weren't allowed to have that kind of creative freedom and and our fans have have let us do it it's awesome 100 percent, 100 percent. now uh obviously it, it's not the most important thing in the world at the time but it seems like the pandemic really screwed your release of your debut album i mean your release was february 21st and then three weeks later the whole world shuts down uh, I mean, I, I sort of, and I, I, I couldn't think of the bands off the top of my head, but I've had a couple other bands that it was sort of in the same scenario as you guys. Like, what was your game plan as a band? I mean, that's so dedicated to touring and so used to putting it out there. And now you've got your own music and you can't tour. Like what, what did you guys do as a band when, when that happened? Uh, panicked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was not only the album, but like, you know, like everybody in our band and all of the employees that work for us, our crew and our support staff here at home, our social media team, they're all on our healthcare. Like yeah. we were, we were like, oh man, this is a legit emergency because we had just invested in new lights and new gear and new van and trailers and had bought all of our flights for the whole summer. You know, we had, we were out a lot of money on that. And so like, we gotta do something. So we started um, just doing like solo live stream concerts from our house, each of us did. And our fans not only watched and engaged and gave us that like energy back, which was so crucial when you're when you're making your way in life as a performer, yeah. you need that kind of keep going. They also, like gave us Venmo donations that helped us keep everyone on healthcare throughout the pandemic. And they formed their own community called the Anchorheads. Like they named themselves, they made their own Facebook page. And it's like the kind of fans that you always wanted to have when you're growing up thinking you're going to be a rock star. Like these people who, who really love your band for who you are and are like so committed and form this amazing, loving, like, community that supports the band that supports each other um so as far as silver linings go for the pandemic that was just an incredible one for us and and they continue to grow and expand like every show we just did a run in north carolina um a couple weeks ago and you know there were like 30 anchorheads there from as far as like denver to boston to florida to detroit i think and, and you know they're all 
they're coming to all three shows. And and last night, we, you know, we played at Bankman's in Atlanta, and a girl flew down from Boston because she, you know, she's an anchorhead. And so, I mean, that's just been incredible. And going back to Hot Dads and Tight Jeans, like, you know, not when we play for six thousand people, not every one of them know all of the songs on Hot Dads and Tight Jeans. But this anchorhead crew, like gets everybody behind it in a way because they live and breathe this music with us. So it's that's been like a super cool aftermath of the pandemic for us. For sure. For that's gotta be a, a good feeling to have the the dedication of those fans. Uh well I mean along with that, uh on the album, there's some good jams on there. You mentioned Step and, and Bad Tequila, which are obviously when you look at the the streaming numbers, those are the highest stream songs on the album but i mean i'm i'm a huge fan of uh house in the clouds and uh my favorite stardust um obviously you're a fan of all the songs you wrote them uh that's that's how that works but like i feel like when when you release an album sometimes those songs get slept on and you see some of those songs that aren't getting listened to is there a song in particular that you're like feel like people need to hear that one more i feel like that one hasn't got the love it needs i mean there are there are a few like that for me i mean my favorite stardust is probably my first personal favorite song from the album i wrote it about uh my daughter mm -hmm. uh, and i kind of lean a little bit more towards like the psychedelic side of yacht rock with like the 10 cc's and the ambrosia kind of vibe yeah uh, i love greg's song change of scene uh, I think it's the yachtiest song on the album. Um, and I think it's like a total vacation vibe. And then the one that I feel like people really sleep on is the one we wrote with Matthew Wilder, who um, who did the song Break My Stride and the mm -hmm. Mulan soundtrack for Disney. Mm -hmm. And he's another one of these old-timer Yacht Rock guys that has, has become a good buddy of ours. But we wrote Big Bang with him. We went out to L.A. for a couple of days and just really... Uh, like workshopped that song in uh in his studio together and um i feel like that's a really good like kind of power ballad that, that people don't talk about with our album but i think it's super cool nice well, you heard it change the scene big bang my uh my favorite stardust those are the three you need to go listen to listeners those are those are the slept on tunes we need to get into um now along with the album your sister directed the fantastic video for step uh very i i wouldn't say even yachty i would say very 70s just vibes that i was getting from the video overall and i heard the concept of the video was you and her together what was it like working with your uh sister to do this video so we've been working together on music videos since the you days mm -hmm. uh she was she was a teacher here in atlanta an art teacher and she was she wasn't sure that's what she wanted to do for a living and i had this idea that i wanted to make a music video that was animated on a light bright like with stop motion animation and she's like oh i can do that and so we put trash bags over the windows in my apartment and set up a camera and a light bright and she's in there like changing pegs on a light bright over a period of six months and we thousands of images and we we shot it and we put it out and she decided she was going to go back to school at SCAD here in Atlanta and study um, animation and directing. And so she did a video is amazing, by the way, it's called movie kiss, the light bright video. Uh, you should check it out. I'm, it's one of the things still that I'm most proud of that I've ever done for sure. Um, 
But so she and I have been working together in that capacity for a long time. We did another video. We used to be jump ropers when we were little kids, mm. like on a jump rope team. And we did a video for my uh, my psychedelic band, Indianapolis Jones, that was choreographed with glow-in-the-dark jump ropes uh, called Not Ghosts Yet. Nice. That is pretty cool. Um, but so for this one, for the for the step video, we actually had a budget and we were like, all right, let's shoot it on a soundstage and make it feel very much like 1975 midnight special kind of vibes, you know, but with a little bit of updated kind of like modern psychedelic uh, animations, you know, yeah. and she's just incredible at all that stuff, you know, but she's done music videos for Mastodon and High on Fire and she's uh doing tour graphics for lizzo right now she just they did an amazing uh video for um an ozzy uh lemmy collaboration wow. song that just last year um that's like hellraiser is the name of the song it's a 90s ozzy song that that motorhead did too and they put the vocals together from the two versions into this one version and my sister and mark her her partner made this incredible animated video for it so she's just on an amazing level when it comes to that stuff and it's fun for us to get to you know work together this, is, this is our job <laughs> yeah for sure i mean it came out super cool and uh man i can only imagine the light bright video good god i would probably burn out after like <laughs> two days of trying to do that and be like okay this is too many pictures. I'm done with this. It took a long time. The thing was, we did we did it, and we did a test of just like the first ten seconds or whatever, and we put it to the music, and it was so powerful. We looked at each other like, "Oh, we we got to finish it." Yeah, uh, like it's, we screwed it's, it's ourselves like, yes. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, now. Uh, now, like, I mean, when you guys released the album and you were stuck there in the pandemic, not being able to tour, was there ever a question like, were you guys, I mean, and you, like you said, you're making connections and obviously you had the anchor heads out there and you're trying to keep some momentum, but like, were you ever, were you guys ever looking at each other? Like, do you, do you think there'll be fans after this? Do you think they'll come back to, to, you know, Yacht Rock? I mean... Definitely. It was a, it was a scary time. You know, we did, we were just trying to stay engaged with people because we just didn't want people to forget about us. I mean, I, I, you know, the modern world had never been through anything like that and you just don't know what's going to be left, what people are still going to connect with when they come back after, or if after is even going to be look anything like what before looked like. Yeah. You know, we did one of the first, I think we did, maybe the first like big drive-in concert of the pandemic up in Indianapolis. It was like Live Nation's beta test for that thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that was super nerve wracking because, you know, that was like July of 2020 and there were no vaccines and everybody thought it was okay to be outside, but you weren't sure yet. And um, so, yeah, we were always just trying to figure out like, how can we, still do what we do and stay connected and be safe and be responsible. You know, I got into music to get away from responsibility. You know, like the dude says in Almost Famous, like, yeah. didn't we do the get away from responsibility? And here I am having to make like public health decisions and about not only myself and my band, but for our fans and, you know, people are going to come at you, whichever decision you make. It was a, 
an incredibly stressful time to be uh, to be in our business. Well, th- thankfully, we're back to to doing live shows regularly. Like I said earlier, St. Augustine Amphitheater, May fourteenth. Uh, one last thing I wanted to ask, because obviously you guys have. Like you mentioned, dedicated fans coming through, coming back to see uh, multiple shows per year, the anchor heads. And I saw a, a weird comment one of the fans had a while ago in Charlotte. A dude and his pregnant wife came up to you and said, uh, and said, oh man, we got pregnant last time you were here. Uh, we went into the club's bathroom while you guys were on stage. That's weird. Uh, is that is that the weirdest comment, or have you got weirder comments? That's probably my favorite. I mean, like to know that I not only I mean I inspired a person that night. Like there's a person that's alive, literally right now, a kid that's alive because of the concert we gave that night. Like yeah. what? I feel like you know what higher calling could there be? That's true. <laughs> that's true. You can't. You, you you had a hand in making that child, and not in a weird way. Oh well, in a weird way, but in a in a. <laughs> it's a weird way, but it's cool for sure, for sure. Well, Nick, we are up against a break, man. But I want to thank you for taking the time to come onto our show. Man, it's been a real pleasure talking. Thanks for thanks for everything. For sure, listeners, you need to get to the St. Augustine Amphitheater May fourteenth. You will have a fantastic time with Nick and the guys in Yacht Rock Review. In the meantime, make sure you get the album Hot dads in tight jeans you can follow them on instagram at yacht rock review you can stream all of their music on streaming services right now let's take a listen to the yachtiest of the yachty on hot uh, dads in tight jeans change of scene right here on the doc g show
we are back here on the Doc G a show you just heard Yacht Rock Review <laughs> right here. Right here, right now, Yacht Rock Review, hot dads, tight jeans, you know it. You know it, Mike. Yes! That's, uh, it's pretty wild when you go back and you think about it. These guys uh, got a career off of a fluke, you know? Like, hmm. they go in, they do this one show as sort of a joke of 70s, ro- uh, 70s soft rock radio, Everybody loves it and demands that they keep doing it. And that's been mm. their career for the last now 15 years. Good for them. Nice. And they sell out stadiums. Oh, not stadiums, but huge venues doing it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's like I mean, I, I guess it's sort of, I mean, if you think of it like sort of comedy equivalent, like Jeff Foxworthy, like you might be a redneck, like do one thing, that's your bit, yeah. and people just, just like go. like a random... Yeah, like I'm I'm sure Jeff Foxworthy said that like one night and people were just like, Hell yeah, you might be a yeah. redneck and he was just like uh-huh. right, keep doing those. Yeah. And then fifteen <laughs> years later he's like done seventeen thousand you might be a redneck jokes. Good lord. Like Yep. It's crazy though. Well actually I guess cause that's still original content. I guess it would be like if you did like an impersonation of yeah. another comedian and they were just like yeah and then <laughs> you that's all you did but you were super popular for that i get yeah. what's, what's that one dude that's always like on espn that he does like all all uh like in, impersonations of everybody he does impersonations of comedians and everybody shorter dude uh does like the john um, madden frank caliendo that's it yes. yeah frank caliendo i mean because he doesn't i mean you know i don't want to offend him but it's not like he has any like straight up jokes it's mainly pretty much all mostly impressions yeah yeah he's w- really well known for that yeah i sort of feel like that yeah. would be like the equivalent you know or like I would say, because there's been a few comedians I've heard of where the, they do open mics just because they were dared to do it, mm-hmm. and then they won a competition their first time on stage, mm-hmm. which launched them into the universe. It's happened a couple times, not many times, but but maybe I guess Yacht Rock was they were doing yeah what they were doing, but it was like a different version. They were so, doing yeah, they know. were doing original rock, you know, and then mm, and then yeah. the basically they decide just as far as like this returning gig that they had, okay, we're gonna do yacht rock and everybody's like, No, that's that's what we wanna hear. You know? So <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean I don't know. Aziz Ansari, Aziz Ansari did the opposite. He he had a character that everybody loved at first, uh-huh. and it was called, he was titled Randy. Yeah. And then he did Aziz Ansari, and I I felt like I liked Randy more, but that's the opposite. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. yeah I mean, it is it it's a weird thing though. It's got to be a weird. Like I asked him, I was like, you know, what, what do you? Th-? I mean, and obviously he's happy about it because. You get to, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it pays a lot of money. That's nice, you know. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. and you still get to play music. You know, you're still getting to play tunes and yeah. making people happy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, big venues. You know, I, I I'm sure you're the same way, Mike. If I can get somebody to laugh, I don't give a. Shit. 
it was that made him laugh. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. Does I'll it? do all those you might be a redneck if jokes yeah. if that's what's going to get the tickets. If that's, yeah. if that's what Don't people care. are laughing at, all right, I'll recycle some Jeff Foxworthy. Here we go. Like, you know, like. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 it's a pretty, it's still pretty wild, though. 15 years that you're just jamming. I mean, and like I told him, though, I love Yacht Rock. So, I'd be pretty jazzed about playing those songs anyways. I'd be like, sweet, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's got to be a good time, and they're new. And don't sleep on their their uh, their own material, their debut own material. Hot uh, hot dads and tight jeans. Nope, it's good. A lot of good jams on that thing. Uh, and of course, like many things, pandemic screwing them over on that. Mike, you released that yeah. literally two weeks before the pandemic hits. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Really? Got to rebuild. Really? It's it's lame. Anyways, thanks to Yacht Rock for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Hopefully they can come back soon. If you get a chance, go uh, check out their show May 14th at the St. Augustine Amphitheater. It's going to be a good time. I'm debating, Mike. Might drive down. Might do it. Mm. Nick said he yeah. put me on the list. I was like, oh. I was like, do I get the to list. do I get to stand backstage? Because if I get to stand backstage, that's a that's a different <laughs> level, right? Like going yeah, to yeah, the yeah. going to the concert is cool, but if I get to be better than the re regular Joe out there and sit back oh, yeah. there and be judgy with my arms crossed and just watch mm -hmm. from the back, that's a whole nother level, you know? So true. And you have a lanyard. You have exactly. to have a lanyard. This is you have to have a lanyard. Get to show it <laughs> off to everybody that comes. Oh, 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 oh I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I'm here. Just like yeah. Wayne's World for all of you, all, all of you uh, mute movie lovers out there. Um, okay, Mike, we've got two birthday suits. We need to get to these. Um, yeah, it might be a over today. It might be. It's I, okay. I know one's gonna be real tough. I think two may be real tough. Uh, <laughs> so, born on April twenty seventh in uh, nineteen eighty eight in Detroit, Michigan. Our birthday suit wearer moved to Houston with her mom when she was 10. Started multiple music groups when she was growing up and in high school. Eventually, she decided to move to Minneapolis to try to break through in the music industry. Her first album was predominantly hip-hop. It came out in 2013. It had the singles Batches and Cookies and Bus Passes and Happy Meals. In 2014, she got to work with Prince on his album. It's pretty dope. And she appeared uh, as a musical guest on David Letterman. Her second album, Big Girl, Small World, came out in 2015. Then in 2016, she signed with Atlantic Records and released her EP, Coconut Oil. Her third album, Cause I Love You, came out in 2019. She performed at Coachella. This year, she's planning on releasing her fourth album titled Special, and has already released the first album, which is titled About Damn Time. Name that birthday suit wearer. I got nothing. No idea. I'll give you a hint, Mike. She is associated most times with a positive body image. Don't know if that That's helps good. any. That's really good. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's positive. Good for her. That's I have no right. idea who you're talking no about. Idea. Lizzo, Lizzo, oh, yes, 
shout out to Lizzo. Happy birthday. Turning the big 3-4, Mike. I'll be Ooh, that's a good one. I thought she was younger than that. Yeah, me I, too, actually. I thought she was like 26. I'm going to be honest. Like 26, 25, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And then I saw that she was 34. I was like, what? She's almost as old as me. Well, she's definitely healthier than me. That's now that's now a fact. She looks way better. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, didn't know that she was that. Because uh, people look at me and they're like, he's all of 37, that old. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, anyways, Mike, let's move on to the second birthday suit. Again. Yeah, we'll this see. Might, this might make you look bad as far as history again. This definitely won't be as... This <sighs> won't... I mean, um, I also, I still miss the vice president, so there's there's that still. No, no, you got I'll that one. Up. Remember, we had to pull the teeth, but you got to Kamala. You got okay. there. Okay, all right. You got there. All right. Um, Thanks, Sanchi. Born on April... <laughs> born anyway, on sorry, April 20... You're like, no, 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 no. I didn't get it right. <laughs> I know, don't, don't try to give it to me. I did not get sorry, it right. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> born on April 27th, 1927, in... Highburger, Alabama. She was born in her parents' home where her great-grandmother, a former slave, was the midwife of her birth. It's crazy to think. Still, it's wild to me that a person in 1927, right, was born, her relative is still alive who was a slave. Like, I, like there are people still alive now that were born in 1927. One connection... Mm -hmm. To slavery. That's how far away it yeah. was. It wasn't that far away, folks. It's crazy. Not at all. It's crazy. From a young age, our birthday suit wearer loved to sing. She initially went to uh, Antioch College in Ohio, but traveled to the New England Conservatory of... Or transferred, not traveled. Transferred to the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston. She met Martin Luther King while she was there. It was only a year before or after that that they were married. Her birthday suit wear dedicated her life to the same civil rights movement as her husband, seeing and hearing the same resistance that her husband did. Her birthday suit wear's husband was assassinated in 1968 to the horror of our nation. Her birthday suit wear uh, committed herself to her husband's causes and was a fixture after his death. She, uh, she uh, changed many political and social issues throughout her lifetime. She was the driving force to make Martin Luther King holiday an actual holiday back in, uh, back in the 70s and 80s. She said that there should be at least one national holiday a year in tribute to an African-American man. And at this point, Martin is the best candidate we have. In 1986, she was successful, and Martin Luther King uh, Day became a national federal holiday. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer uh, passed away in 2006 in Mexico. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. So bad, Doc G. I really don't know her name. I think the name will so ring bad. a bell when you hear it. Coretta Scott King. Coretta, Coretta Scott, Scott King. King. Yes. Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> Happy birthday, Coretta. If you haven't been to it, folks, go down to Atlanta. You can actually go to her tomb, which is right beside uh, Martin Luther's tomb, of course, which is right beside Ebenezer Baptist, the church which he uh, preached at. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a pretty uh, you know pretty amazing sight. Still still the way yeah. uh, that it's been for decades now. Uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church still has the old school uh, sign right in front of it. I somewhere in my vault of pictures that I've took on travels, Mike, have a picture of that very sign. And one picture mm. of me, I think, pointing up to it like, hey, there it is. You know? <laughs> um, but anyways, happy birthday to Coretta Scott King, of course, a uh, pioneer when it comes to civil rights. Uh, and uh, also very uh, glad that she was able to get Martin Luther King an actual day, the, a day that we celebrate and uh, probably should have more of those days in our mm -hmm. uh, country. Uh, anyways, Mike, moving on, we have a fantastic show this coming week. I'm very excited about it. We have a returning guest once again. We have none other than Cody Jasper coming on the show. Uh, fantastic singer, fantastic performer. Uh, he's former uh, lead singer of the band Moon uh, Moon Fever, and now he's striking out on his own. Once again, he's got some new albums or new songs coming out. Uh, he's got uh, Disco Lemonade, which is the new jam. Higher Power, also a new jam. He's just getting it done, man. I can't wait to talk to mm -hmm. him. We're going to chat. It's going to be a good time. Uh, then... My goodness, Mike, I'm excited about this guest. we got a big one coming. We've got the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band coming on the show. That's right, Mike. These guys are absolute musical legends. These guys have won Grammys. They have played with every legend of country music you can think of. They, they have played with Johnny Cash and the Carter family. They've played with Willie Nelson. They have just, I mean, they played with it all. And wow. their most recent single is with former Doc G guest, Larkin Poe. That's right. So I'm very excited. I can't wait. Fun fact, I got my dad pretty jazzed about this one. Because my dad saw them play uh, in 1972 at, wow. uh, at the Virginia Tech uh, Stadium. Or not stadium, mm. Virginia Tech uh, field, I do believe. I can't remember where it was. It was on Virginia Tech's campus, but nonetheless, he was pretty jazzed. And usually yeah, when I tell, cool. usually when I tell Dad who's coming on the show, he's like, "Eh, what? All right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all right, yeah, exactly. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Mike Charette. All right, I guess I haven't heard of him, you know. And I'm like, Dad, he's an amazing comedian. Come on, get behind the show, you know. But this time, he was psyched. And I'm psyched, too. It's going to be a fantastic show. But until then, guys, we are going to have to wrap it up for today. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus Charette. Say what? Good times, Doc G. Thank you for having me. For sure. Of always course. Always a great time. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip to doo -dah.